0: From CPR News, this is Colorado Matters. We continue our discussion about how the pandemic is disrupting, even upending, the lives of young people. 16-year-old Jack has a message to other
1: teenagers. I think it's really important that we all need to realize that it is so special to be able to be you. Nobody else is you. And you need to be so prideful and happy that you are you. And to that person watching, I understand. I'm going through what you're going through. And you will always have somebody to talk to and always be proud to be you because nobody else gets to be. And that is such a special thing.
0: Our special presentation, Life's Not On Hold, Teens Navigate Missed Milestones with a focus on solutions.
2: The largest source of support for Colorado Public Radio comes from members across our state. I'm
3: from Denver. Aurora.
4: Glenwood Springs. Grand
2: Junction. Ranch. With your donation, you connect your city to nonprofit journalism, to inspiring stories, and you connect your community to a wide range of music that fills our daily life. These recent months have been tough for everyone, but month after month, donors continue to step up. Thank you for your support.
3: This
0: is Colorado Matters from CPR News and KRCC. I'm Avery Lill. Teens were stressed before the pandemic. Pressures from school, social media, and even existential stress over things like climate change have really escalated in recent years for a lot of teens. A 2019 survey found a third of Colorado middle and high schoolers reported feeling sad or hopeless. Now add COVID-19, where teens are missing milestones and opportunities, not to mention friends. It's a pressure cooker. So what are concrete solutions to deal with stress and disappointment?
1: Mental health. We don't know her. Um, No, I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) I mean, I have been doing my best to keep my mental health stable. You know, there's been a lot of obstacles in the way, especially with not seeing anybody and doing classes online, which, especially for me and a lot of other people, is really difficult. It's hard to admit to not being okay. And that's something that we need to normalize in society. It's okay to not be okay, but I'm trying to do things that I'm passionate about to help me stay happy and healthy, like playing the piano or doing virtual D campaigns or listening to music it's just it's finding the things i'm passionate in to help me be me
5: tiktok and instagram in quarantine
1: i knew how to use it as more of a resource for myself like accounts that
5: tell you things you can do to not be bored or take care of your mental health and it's really been useful some people think that those accounts don't do anything but I know that they do for me and a lot of other
1: people not only that but you get to relate to people and it's really comforting knowing that it's not just you going through this you see all the other people online in the comment section saying oh yeah I relate to that too oh my gosh I understand you and it feels warm and nice to know that it's not just you and that you're normal everyone goes through this or is going through this.
0: I definitely think my mental health has taken a little bit of a toll. It's been exhausting and like trying to keep up with your schoolwork and getting those 40 Schoology assignments in and I think that there's a lot of anxiety built around that but I have also feel like I have, as a person have grown and I have learned to advocate for myself in completely different ways and I am better... With communicating with my teachers, with my parents, and with people about my mental health and my physical health, and just being like, hey, I need help with this, or just try to keep really positive. That's Kate Jordan Little, a 15-year-old from Denver. Nadia Rivera is a 14 year old from Aberdeen, Maryland, and Jack Rogoff, a 16 year old from Lakewood, Colorado. They participated last week in CPR and American Public Media's virtual event, Call to Mind Presents Life's Not on Hold. Teens Navigate Missed Milestones. Monday on Colorado Matters, we aired interviews with Jack, Nadia, and Kate from Life's Not on Hold. You can hear that episode or watch the full event at CPR.org. Today, we're sharing the second part of Life's Not on Hold. A panel of youth Mental health experts answered audience questions about teen mental health in the pandemic and how to cope. You'll hear more from Jack Rogoff, who is a peer leader in his high school for a suicide prevention program, Sources of Strength. Felice Frazier is a licensed therapist and school social worker in Thornton, Colorado. She's also the president of the Association of Black Social Workers Colorado chapter. Rosalind Weissman lives in Boulder. She founded Cultures of Dignity, an organization that advocates for young people's physical and emotional well-being. She also wrote the book Queen Bees and Wannabes that inspired the movie Mean Girls. Let's get to that discussion now. We'll start with a question from the PBS
5: NewsHour Student Reporting Lab. I'm Corey McCowan. I'm 17 years old, and I'm a student reporting Lab journalist from Omaha, Nebraska. My question for a mental health expert would be, if you were in high school this year during the pandemic and there were several opportunities and experiences that you had to miss out on, what do you think you would have done or what do you think your reaction would have been?
0: Felice, tell me more about how this would have been for you as a teen.
5: I'd have been miserable. I'd have been upset. I would have been disappointed. I'd have felt like, oh God, I can't turn 18 because I didn't miss, I didn't make that prom or I didn't make that rite of passage. And I think um, as as a teen, if I went back to my teen brain, um, I would have to create, because that's what I do. If if I If I have a void, I'm going to fill it. And so I want to recreate that moment for myself. It may not look like a prom. It may look like, you know, I like to write. It may like I want to enter a writing contest. I'm going to seek out, or maybe I'm going to get 20 of my friends, if I had 20 friends, and I'm going to put them together. We're going to have our own prom. We're going to we're going to we're going to shake the box up of what a prom looks like, and now we're going to recreate. Or, or create what, what prom is to us so that if we don't meet that rite of passage at that moment, we have the next one and we can create the one that we want to have. Disappointment is huge, you know, but, but it's a learning curve. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a rung on the ladder and it, it you, you're not going to miss that rung. You have to hit that rung to know what you're missing.
0: And let's underline how critical these missed experiences can be. Felice, speak to the adults who don't think that missing a high school job or even an 8th grade dance is really that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things what is the real impact on
5: mental health it's devastating it's it's devastating so with the kids that i work with now not not necessarily in my school because the kids in our school are great about the change and and working through change because of the nature of our school, but the kids that I work in in private practice, like I had one a girl and I know she's listening right now and I won't call her name. And she said, I can tell her story. Um, and she said that when the pandemic hit, that she lost every opportunity to make a friend because she was ugly and that the mm-hmm. pandemic pointed out her ugliness and mm-hmm. it took everything out of me not to bear hug her. You know, it, it's she, all the underlying stuff. All of the stuff was here before the pandemic, and now it's highlighted by the pandemic. Um, uh, you know, they feel like they're they're not going anywhere. I will, th- every sentence is, I will never, I will never go to school. I will never recapture that. And the, the one word I'll, I don't believe in is never. If I have my mindset on doing it, and I come up with a goal and a plan, by God, I'm going to get it done. It may not look the way I, it's like, it's like reading a book and watching a movie, right? When you read the book, you have this picture and this in, in your mind and then you watch the movie and you go, that's not what I thought it was, right? It doesn't mean it was, wasn't a good movie. It just wasn't the way you envisioned it. And if you allowed yourself to be flexible, to accept what you had in your mind compared to what you have in reality and, and, uh, Just enjoy it and have pure gratitude for it. it, It removes all the negativity that comes with it.
2: Yeah.
0: And to Felice's student who is listening, thank you for sharing your story with us. Jack, we are all going through this pandemic for the first time. That means adults and teens are muddling through this and learning as we go. How has it been for you to watch parents and teachers and adults that you look up to navigate something that's this hard and unexpected?
1: You know, uh, before I talk about that, I just want to say that story is, um, it really struck a, a chord with me because um, I've never been a very confident person, especially with being such heavily bullied in middle and elementary school, you know, I've never been a very confident person. And I really understand that feeling of looking at it, looking at yourself in the mirror and just seeing cha- things that you want to change. And I, you know, it's really hard to put into words, but I, I really understand that feeling, especially, you know, I'm not the picture perfect person. I don't, I don't have like abs or anything like that. You know, I'm, I'm me. And I'm okay with that. But some other people aren't okay with that. And I think it's really important that we all need to realize that it is so special to be able to be you. Nobody else is you. And you need to be so prideful and happy that you are you. And to that person watching, I understand. I'm going through what you're going through. And you will always have somebody to talk to and always be proud to be you because nobody else gets to be. And that is such a special thing. Um, I just, I'm sorry. I just, that, that really struck a chord with me. And I really understand
5: Thank you, Jack. Jack, thank you for that. that. Yeah.
1: Um, With the pandemic, you know, we can see the aspect that it's having on people my age and high schoolers and college students and all these people missing out on milestones, but it's, also happening to all our mentors. You know, I can look at one of my biggest mentors and see that he is doing everything to make sure that we're doing okay. But sometimes you have to sacrifice your own mental health for somebody else's. And that's a really big struggle that other people go through. And I very much value that perspective of being able to help others, but you need to be able to help yourself. And so to any adult or teacher that's watching, just know that you being a strong leader does not mean that you cannot also get help. Everybody needs to be able to get help. And we need to realize that nobody is perfect. And I I will stand by that until the day I die. Nobody is perfect and we can all use help. Anybody who's going through this knows how hard it is. And I just, I want everybody to know that whether you're a student or a mentor or an adult, you have things you can do to make you happy and to help you get through this. Um, And I think that's really special and it's something we all need to take to heart. Um, It's just, it's, it's a difficult time, you know, and I want to be able to help as many people as possible. And I wish that more adults would realize that they can even reach out to kids. You know, we may not be old enough and have the experience that some adults have, but we know a lot. Our generation deals with so many things that others haven't. And so even if it's just asking a question about how to get on a Zoom call or being like, hey, I'm struggling, do you want to talk? Or, you know, let's get a coffee with masks on six feet apart. Let's just do something. Um, It's really important to take those steps to realize that it's not just a certain group of people. Everybody is experiencing this.
0: We have a lot of parents and educators on the call. And one of the questions that we've gotten a lot, especially in the registration, is, how to balance both being supportive and also wanting to encourage them. And one of the parents in Seattle, she wrote, how do I balance being supportive and my parents' ego and wanting to the, encourage them by kicking their butt? Rosalind, how are you, how, what, what's your advice? Oh,
2: I know nothing about this as a parent myself. <laughs> <laughs> nope, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know what Jack said about teachers is, and and adults um, needing support is is true, and it's also complicated. It's complex. Um, I think one of the things, because um, this speaks to sort of your question about parents and motivating or keeping their children, um, you know, holding them accountable for. Um, for doing things and keeping up and all that kind of stuff. And, and at the same time, recognizing that adults are humans too, and that we've got a lot of pressure for various reasons and various ways on us. Um, I think for parents, one of the things that I would focus on is that this is not, and I would not say this to your child, this is not a, we're not going to have a redo year. We're not, this is not like a wasted year. Um, I don't think that's helpful to say to young people because once you say that, or if that's what you're coming across and then you're trying to get them to motivate, well, why, why would they be motivated if this is a waste of a year? Um, The second thing is to, you know, not say like, you're, you know, sort of blanket statements, like, you know, you'll get over it. You'll get over it. You're strong enough. All those kinds of things. We do need to acknowledge for, for children, like, yeah, this is really hard. And what I would do sort of Uh, piggybacking off of Jack's um, comments about how do we help each other um, and adults or people too, is we need to get emotionally granular about our feelings. When we say, I'm so stressed or I'm so overwhelmed, I would say for parents and for children that we need to say, well, what does that really look like? And we can sit at the dining room table and write down exactly individually what that looks like for us, and then we can share it. And that's an appropriate kind of sharing of like, here's where I'm coming from. Here, you know, here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what you're experiencing. And then from there, um, I think the other thing is, well, I, I, if we're holding our kid accountable, I think we go back to this thing of if we create structure and routine, which everybody's been talking about with this pandemic. Well, how do we do it? We tie it. We can tie it back to the happiness definition that I, I gave earlier of purpose and a sense of peace, which could should. Begin, uh, bookend your days in the very beginning and the very end. Um, of, there should be no screen time an hour before everybody goes to bed. And in the mi- in the middle of the day, we you know being able to we've got some things of like obligations of we have to be online right now, but that's exhausting. And so, how do we create routine? So I think if you want to hold your child accountable, you start with like the the principle of like why are we doing this and how are these principles going to guide our actions. And how are they going to guide our thinking? And then we create routine that is connected to those principles, like the principle of happiness I talked about. Um, And if your kid is just, you know, let me say to you this way, because there's so much to answer. So I'm like having to choose. There's always a good, meaning understandable reason why young people do the things that they do. Um, It might seem bizarre to you. It might seem crazy to you. It might seem incredibly irritating to you. But if you can understand what that reason is, then and only then will you be able to figure out how to address it appropriately. So I mean, I, the, the last thing I want to say about this, even though it's such a big um, it, there's so, so many ways to answer it is this. Jack spoke to it, too. When I first started doing this you know, online teaching in August and we saw and had rules in the schools about um, window about um, people having their cameras on. We had this thing where, you know, the rules across the country were about, like, let's give it a choice for kids about, you know, because of equity issues, about not having the camera on. One of the things we didn't realize, I'll speak for myself, that I didn't realize, which seems so unbelievably obvious to me now, and I've been doing work with middle school and high school people for more than 20 years, is that the young people were saying, I don't want to be on camera because I feel self-conscious, and because people might say things maybe in the chat that took us a little while to figure out, or maybe they'll do it in their own group chats. But I feel self-conscious. I feel ugly today. I feel this today. I feel that today. I don't want to be on camera. And we didn't actually, adults, I think, uh, again, speaking for myself, I, it took me a little while to actually talk to young people. To understand, this is why we have to talk to them. They are these subject matter experts of this experience. We must listen to them as the experts that they are, of being on the receiving end of this education, of this virtual education. And so, when I heard, like, "Oh my goodness," they're feeling self conscious. They don't want to be. They don't want to be on. You know, be um, seen on camera. But teachers are and parents are valuing that they're engaged in class only if they have their cameras on. And so there was a big disconnect there. And so when I go back to, there's always a good reason why y- young people are doing the things that they're doing. We just have to figure out what it is. And so when we sit down as a parent and say, look, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing you not get ready for class virtually. You know, you, you know you're on your bed, you open it up or whatever. You're, you're going late. You have lots of missed assignments, whatever it is this is a pattern I'm seeing. There must be a reason why. And let, if you can explain to me what, what's happening, then we can get to a better place where you, we, we can figure this out. Or I can give you the support that it is best for you, that you identify as being the best. So we're in partnership with our, the kids in our lives and we're, have, we're giving them ownership where appropriate so that we listen to them and then we can help them, give them advice, hold them accountable all of those things that parents, you know, that this is, that's our job is to be able to give, to hold them accountable, but in effective ways.
5: Can I There's a lot piggyback? Just yes, please go ahead. One thing. On yeah, so much, the, the, so much. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is so much and my mind is bouncing all over the place. We could probably do this for hours. Um, <laughs> but the, but the, the biggest thing is that the, the, the word of the year is grace, right? All the, the, all the norms, every norm that we had is no longer a norm. Every routine that we had is no longer routine. So the thing that bothered you about your kid, or they don't brush their hair right, or they're not sitting up straight, or they're not writing the grace, offer grace. Because when you, you come from a place of grace, that conversation can start. You can look at your kid not in anger or not upset, but you can say, you know, you look like you're struggling, and I'm struggling watching you struggle. What can we do to, to, to fix this for you so that you feel more comfortable?
1: you know hearing this it's a it's a great perspective and i being a person who's going through this right now and hearing other people's perspective it's amazing and i love sharing my perspective because you know it's 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 pure and it's honest you know this is something i'm dealing with every day and i think one of the big things that older generations and i really hope everybody can hear this not just people that are viewing right now but just this needs to be said I think older generations need to stop making decisions for younger generations. I understand you have more years, more experience than us, but we know what's best for us. We're getting to a point in our lives where we know how to make responsible decisions and we need to have that opportunity to say, Hey, I don't think that's right. You know, with moving back to hybrid, a lot of schools are doing that. And I think it's a wonderful thing to be back in the classroom setting But that wasn't decided by students. There was an email sent to parents about like, hey, we're thinking about doing this. What's your guy's opinion? And there's all these political leaders and all these people that are trying to make the decisions for us. But they aren't affected by the decisions they're making. We're affected by the decisions they're making. And they need to be like, hey, instead of asking our parents, I know there's logistics with getting to school and whatnot, but they need to be like, how do you feel? What do you want to do? This is going to affect you and your life. And we need to hear your perspective. And if I'm like, I would love to be in a classroom, but I don't want to be with a person who just went to a, party with 300 people and no masks were worn, and I have to be placed in the same room as them as a person who always wears my mask and is so safe about COVID, I don't think that that's a fair situation. And although I feel like we're doing a great job of hearing students' voices, we need to stop making decisions for these kids. They have the right to an education and to do what they feel is best, and we need to hear their voices.
0: You're listening to Life's Not on Hold, Teens Navigate Missed Milestones, produced in part with Call to Mind, American Public Media's initiative to foster new conversations about mental health. Before we go to break, if you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or having thoughts of suicide, we implore you to talk about it. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that's 1-800-273-TALK. I'm Avery Lowe. You're with Colorado Matters from CPR News.
5: Based in Washington, D.C.,
4: CPR News reporter Caitlin Kim brings news from the nation's capital to
1: you. Denver area Democrat Diana DeGette says she got the call asking her to be an impeachment manager about 30 minutes before Speaker Pelosi made the announcement. She says she was deeply honored to be
4: chosen
2: alongside fellow Coloradan
4: Joe Neguse. I always
2: tell people we're punching way above our weight in little Colorado. It's not the first time DeGette who has served in the House...
4: Trust the facts.
5: Trust CPR News.
0: Let's get back to our special presentation, Life's Not on Hold, Teens Navigate Missed Milestones. I'm speaking with Rosalind Weissman, a teen mental health advocate and author of Queen Bees and Wannabes, Felice Frazier, a licensed therapist and school social worker, and 16-year-old Jack Rogoff, a high school junior from Lakewood and a mental health peer leader. We're going to take another question, this one from Zoom. Veronica in Castle Rock says, I have competed in Geography B ever since I was 10 years old, and I've gotten pretty far. This was my last year to compete, and I was confident I was going to win. When I found out it was canceled, I was devastated. Months later, I'm still having issues getting over the disappointment. Any ideas? Jack, I'd love for you to take this one, since I know that you've also had a lot of activities that you've missed this year. How have you gotten over disappointment?
1: I haven't. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, oh, you know, it's it it like, takes a while. You know, it, it it's not something you can just be like, well, you know, that that's not happening. I can move on with my life and procrastinate on chemistry and just sit here on my bed, you know, just wonder how everything is going. No, you have to you have to take action, just like with mental health and taking care of yourself. You have to take action. And disappointment is such a big struggle. You know, I've ever since I was a freshman, I've been a part of a lot of different activities and this sounds like a brag, I'm not trying to brag, I'm just trying to say what I'm a part of, but I've been a part of things like ALST, Uh, I've been a part of things like EBC NHS, you know, I've been a part of all these different organizations and clubs and I thought about starting clubs. Like I've thought about starting a club called the breakfast club where we get together on Thursday mornings and eat breakfast and watch our favorite eighties movies. It's a great idea, you know, but we can't do that right now because you know, there's a lot of things that we just can't do. I couldn't have a sophomore swim season because, um, you know, we got in the water for a week and then they were like, hey, we're going to go home for two weeks. And then two weeks turned into where we are now. Um, For marching band, we weren't able to have a competitive season, which was extremely disappointing. And we lost a lot of people due to that. And it's just all of these events that are so important to us are being taken away. And that extremely affects our mental health. Because you know if if marching band is one of the things that's keeping me alive, and then I don't have that aspect of my life, what's keeping me motivated? And I know that that can be a really big struggle for a lot of people. And my biggest piece of advice, being a person who's going through that right now, is find other things that make you happy. And I know it is so hard to have those things taken away from you, but you need to find something that can either distract you or find new interests. I love playing the piano clarinet. I play a lot of instruments. It's so much fun music. It's such a great escape. I love jazz music. It's my favorite type of music. Jazz is a great metaphor for life because it's long and complicated. And then all of a sudden it ends and you're like, Oh, that's it. Um, And it's, you know, it's, It's just things like that that bring you happiness. And one of the things that makes me happy is seeing other people happy. When I can make somebody laugh or put a smile on their face or impact their life in a positive way, that brings my brain so much serotonin, just knowing that I was able to help them. And so finding these other passions that we have help us discover ourselves and discover what can help us get through this time.
0: I want to bring in another concern that I think is also related to lingering negative feelings. But we have a few school counselors in this event who noted in their registration that they're seeing students turning to substances like drugs and alcohol or risky behaviors. Felice, how do you counsel students who come to you with that's the way that they're
5: coping? Um, True social worker to the word need the meet the kid where they are. Right. No judgment, no judgment whatsoever. If, if, if that's where you are, that's where we're going to start. Um, but then offer alternatives. Right. Because, you know, I go I go back to Rosalind's again. All of this was here before the pandemic. Everything that we have was here. And the coping, me- the negative or poor coping mechanisms were there before the pandemic. So now we have an opportunity to offer so many alternatives because we're not stuck in the, the rituals or things that we had before. So get creative, right? Get, get creative with, or, or, or before you even get creative, get to the root of why, why are you doing this? Right? And if I can get to the root of why, then I can find the new how and what to replace uh, the, the drug and the alcohol. Right? So what, before you, before you got overwhelmed and you shut down or before you went down that rabbit hole, what were you doing that brought you joy? Where is your joy? Right. goes back to the happiness. What, what, you know, identify, we, we call it safety planning. I call it life planning. Right. What give me the five things where you went to that when you were feeling down and out, um, that made you smile. Right. Mine is listening to babies laugh. I can listen to babies laugh all day long. Right. So if I'm having a moment, I don't care where it is. I have my phone. I got a baby giggling in my ears somewhere, right? It can be something as simple as that. It could be something as simple as the, the sun on my shoulders feel really great. Okay, put that, whatever it is, down. And let's go outside and close our eyes and just feel the sun, right? It doesn't have to be anything magnanimous. It could be something as simple as sniffing, you know, the, the grass after the rain, even though it doesn't rain yet. Uh, just, you know, find, find something to replace what it is that you're numbing yourself with because at the at that moment that you're numbing, you have nothing. You know, and and you you want to maintain that nothing because you don't feel like and you know, just like Jack said, they don't know how. So if we teach them how, you know, the that that why becomes the forefront and then we can change again the what and and everything else that comes with it. It works. It really yes. does.
0: You have brought us into this beautiful space to talk about concrete solutions. I love the way that you talk about just getting into our bodies as a way of dealing with those negative emotions. So, before we end, I want for each of you to talk about some concrete solutions. Felice, what can a teen who is struggling with mental health because of the pandemic? What's one thing that they can do about it?
5: Talk, 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 talk to a brick wall, talk to your dog, talk to the lamp talk back to the TV, talk to a stranger because, and, and you know, the way I tell the kids is if you keep something inside, like you feel, you feel really sick. And you know, my kids are going to go, Oh, and they're texting me now going, don't say it, but I'm going to say it. But you feel like you want to vomit, right? You don't, you, you hold on to it. Nobody likes to vomit, you know, but when you finally let it go, you feel a little better, right? When you leave all that stuff tucked away and you're not talking about it, it becomes toxic. Not only here, but here right your, your, your whole body' it's, it's the whole full mind-body connection talk and if you if you can't find somebody close to you to talk to get online I know that I pop into random rooms they were talking about social media before I will pop into random rooms where I know their kids and go hey who wants to talk I'm all ears and I've been doing that for years and it's gotten to the point now where it's almost like a, a like Lucy from the, the Peanuts, I set up my little box online and I go, I don't care where in the country you are, where in the world you are. If you need somebody to talk to, I'm all ears or all eyes for right now. Talk. Get it out your system. And if you can't find somebody, keep, just, just keep talking. Keep talking until you find that connection that makes it right for you. It, it makes a world of difference.
3: I love that.
0: Rosalind, what is something specific that parents and educators can do right now to support teens? And those might be two different things.
2: Oh, well, wait, I was going to answer the first question. I was going <laughs> right, to, <laughs> I want to answer something. I'm to admit this. I'm going to take it and I'm going to admit something that I've been doing that is sort of like, well, I would have been embarrassed. And now, see, I'm going to try not to be embarrassed. And it's um, so my my answer that I wanted to share is that since the pandemic, um, I have been learning how to dance and I'm really bad at it, like really bad at it. And when I first started, I was so self-conscious, but I really needed something to do with my body, especially if we're, you know, I'm teaching all day long I'm, or, you know, if I'm a student, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on this right all the time, just like everybody else. And so for a lot of it, well, for the first, you know, what, quarter of last year, I can't even remember, it was all online. And maybe that was easier because I could do it by myself and nobody was looking. But now I go to like, you know, with the masks and everyone's distance and all of that. And I have learned to not be self-conscious and I'm also moving my body in ways that are really different, and so I'm learning something new. I'm doing it with my body. Um, I'm getting over my self-conscious, I'm, my self-consciousness. So I'm learning a new skill that's like an emotional skill and a physical skill. So um, I wanted to, I wanted to dovetail or bookend you know from for all that talking of course is so wonderful and moving your body and doing it in whatever capacity with other people and doing it in a way that's uncomfortable but you learn how to have joy in that yes. it's cool i like it yes. and i'm going to keep doing it and now i've admitted it to all these people <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're lucky we have you wired in with your earbud or we could have you get up and oh demonstrate.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. That's I mean, like, no. <laughs> I can try that. It'll be a goal for another year. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jack, what about you? What's something concrete that you would advise for teens who are trying to develop healthy coping skills right now?
1: So the biggest thing that I've learned, and I think that everybody, no matter if you're a teen, a teacher, an adult, whoever you are, something you can benefit from and something that's taken me a long, long time to learn and something I'll still try to master for years, we need to stop comparing ourselves to other people. And I think that is one of the biggest things that everybody needs to hear. You know, Just because you may have a B or a C in chemistry and somebody else has an A does not mean you're dumb. It just means that you know, they have a they have a strong suit that you might not have. But you being you is one of the most important things you can be. And that's something that's taken me a long time to learn. You know, I can look at people on Instagram who do these shirtless app pics and me look down and be like, Ugh, yikes. Um, but that doesn't matter because I'm being interviewed by Colorado Public Radio and they're not. So men, you know. <laughs> It's just it's something we all have our special characteristics that make us us and we need to be proud of that. And it's something that I, I think my generation is starting to really grasp and take hold of. And it's something that we need to continue to work on. Nobody else gets to be you. You are the only person on this planet that can say, for instance, myself, I'm the only one that can say my name is Jack Rogoff. I'm from Lakewood, Colorado. I love going to school. I love playing d and I hope to be a film director someday. I want to go to NYU. Like, I'm the only person that can say my goals. And I think that everybody needs to be proud of who they are. And if you go on different platforms of social media, like Instagram, you know, a lot of posts that I make on there, Box. just shout out real quick. Um, <laughs> a lot of the posts I make on there are talking about body confidence. Body confidence is something I've never had before. And it's something that I'm truly working on so that I can be proud of me. And so if I look in the mirror and I'm like, I look good today. And the next day I'm like, I don't look good. We need to stop listening to those negative voices. Everybody looks good in their own way, you know? And so if you want to make that post on Instagram or you want to tell people like, I'm proud of who I am, you need to do it. And you need to show that, show people you're proud of who you are. It's not being cocky or anything like that. It's being you. And I think that's a really special thing that everybody should be able to take away from this. You know, I I want to be an inspiration to a lot of kids out there. You know, I'm very open about my own struggles. And I've had a lot of people tell me like, you are you've being so open about this helps me. And that's a really special thing. And I think if we're more open about what we're trying to accomplish we will accomplish those goals. And, you know, I, someday I want to be the Greta Thunberg of mental health, you know, and that's, I'm 200 million followers on Instagram away from that, but that's beside the point, you know, <laughs> it's just, I want to be a person that other people can talk to and look at as an inspiration. And we need to take away that concrete idea of you need to be you. And that's such hey, a Jack? special thing. Yes.
5: Jack? Jack? Get rid of that want. You are an inspiration. Forget want. You are an inspiration. And 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 if you weren't as proud of you as you are, I would sit here and say, I'm exceptionally proud of you. You are you that, are that unapologetically really Jack. So that you are the bomb. That's I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at you going, You are unapologetically Jack, and thank you for you.
0: I wanna thank you all so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's thank been you a very nice. special day.
2: Thank you. This has been awesome.
0: I've been joined by Felice Frazier, a therapist and school social worker in Thornton, Colorado. She's president of the Association of Black Social Workers Colorado Chapter. Rosalind Weissman of Boulder is an author and founder of Cultures of Dignity, an organization that advocates for young people's physical and emotional well-being. Jack Rogoff is a junior from Lakewood, Colorado. This is his third year as a peer leader for Sources of Strength, a suicide prevention program that focuses on building social networks and raising awareness about mental health. This is Call to Mind Presents, Life's Not on Hold, Teens Navigate Missed Milestones, a special Colorado Matters from CPR News and Call to Mind, American public media's initiative to foster new conversations about mental health. The event is part of WellBeings, a national public media campaign focusing on youth mental health. You can find specific resources on organizations that support teen mental health at calltomind.org and wellbeings.org. If you or someone you know is struggling with anxiety or having thoughts of suicide, we implore you to talk about it. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-TALK. Again, that number is 1-800-273-TALK. We recorded this conversation in front of a live Zoom audience. You can hear and watch the entire discussion in the Colorado Matters podcast at CPR.org. This is Colorado Matters from CPR News. Coronavirus trends have improved in Colorado, so dozens of medical providers from this state are voluntarily going to California, where the situation is much worse and hospitals are overrun with COVID-19 patients. We hear now from a doctor and a nurse who are recording their own experiences for CPR health reporter John Daly.
4: To start off 2021, Sarah Coleman finds herself in a place she wouldn't have imagined a year ago.
3: This is Sarah trying out the voice memo. Um... Just a few updates before... She's
4: a nurse who's traveled from her home base in Denver to an ICU in Southern California. More than one in three residents of Los Angeles has been infected with COVID-19. It's pushing providers like Coleman to their limits.
3: It was a a rough day. Um, It just really hit me hard, the... uh, the number of families here that have been impacted.
4: She describes a mother and her daughter who came in to say a final farewell to another family member.
3: Just crying and just heartbroken and um, asked if there was anything we could do for them, but that just, it hit me so hard because I have a daughter and I just know that that family is forever changed.
4: Coleman normally works as an administrator, overseeing nurses throughout Colorado. Now, volunteering at a hard-hit Kaiser Hospital, she's part of the team in an overflowing ICU. She's trying to save patients on ventilators who are fighting for their lives.
3: Tuesday was the day that we brought in a second morgue trailer here at this hospital um, because the internal morgue and the the current morgue trailer were completely full, full Like, there was no more room.
4: Coleman is one of 50 frontline providers from Kaiser, Colorado, who answered the call to help. Their California counterparts are overworked, overwhelmed, and exhausted by the tsunami of cases. But Coleman didn't hesitate to raise her hand.
3: There was no question for me about going to help. That's where the need is, and that's where you go.
4: One analysis found two of every five Americans now live in places running out of ICU capacity. Beds are only one part of that. Kaiser's Patty Harvey says California desperately needed more medical assistance and respiratory therapists.
3: We put out the call because we had really in Southern California been battling
4: this surge since November.
3: And by the time Christmas and the holidays rolled around,
4: we knew that this was not going to be a a short-term situation. This
3: is the
6: ICU overflow, one of the areas that we're using.
4: Another Kaiser hospital in the hot zone is in Riverside, east of L.A. There, Dr. John Eisenach gets a tour of the COVID-19 ICU ward. The anesthesiologist has come from Colorado to help. Everything is covered in plastic for extra protection. Eisenach commends providers there for managing a lot of sick patients. Well, there's a few hundred pumps running, and not one of them are alarming right now, so I commend you for that. All I really hear is the whistle and wheeze of the ventilators. Eisenach is helping supervise a team of ICU physicians. He's using what he's learned in Colorado hospitals, helping COVID-19 patients to breathe, often using tubes. He says treating this disease has been eye-opening. I've never seen so many people of so many ages with relatively few or no medical problems come to the ICU in extreme distress with respiratory failure and not all of them actually can make it nurse sarah coleman describes it like this she says never in her 30-year career has she seen so many patients who are not expected to live but as her time in la winds down she starts to see glimmers of hope covid 19 trends are showing signs of getting better she calls it heartwarming to actually
3: see open beds and patients being admitted to the hospital that were not COVID-related, and staff, just you could just see the relief in their eyes.
4: Coleman and Eisenach went to California knowing the situation could easily have been reversed, that Colorado could one day be the state asking for help. Earlier in the pandemic, California seemed like a success story in the U.S. So when it comes to COVID-19 here at home, Eisenach says... We're not over this yet. And Southern California is a cautionary tale of what could happen in Colorado if people let their guards down. I'm John Daly, CPR News. This ski season
0: has been filled with so much uncertainty. After the pandemic ended skiing early last winter, resorts had to rethink nearly every aspect of their operations. But in northern Colorado, one resort hardly had to change a thing. Because it really didn't have massive crowds, or restaurants, or even ski lifts. CPR's Stina Sieg recently visited the ski area dedicated solely to the backcountry.
6: A single skier glides down an ungroomed slope to the base of Bluebird backcountry. Located close to nothing but the Continental Divide. It's one of Bluebird's busiest days yet, but that still means only about 150 skiers and boarders are here, huddled around fires or scattered across the rugged terrain. Many are recent backcountry converts, like Lucas Seeley.
3: I've been skiing since I was 12, so over 20 years, Uh, but this year I didn't want to deal with the resorts anymore. They've been driving me crazy the last several years, honestly. And so this was just kind of the push I needed to get into backcountry.
6: And that push is what's been changing our lives in so many ways for nearly a year.
4: COVID, yeah.
6: Seeley's a nurse at Children's Hospital in Aurora and has already been fully vaccinated against the virus. I'm still being cautious. Over the summer, he went to Breckenridge.
3: And was a little bit appalled by the crowds.
6: But he says this is a crowd he can handle. The Bluebird opened last year, before the pandemic, it feels tailor-made for it. Seely doesn't have to wait in a line to get on the mountain or spend hardly any time indoors. As a bonus, no parking issues.
4: This is a dream of a ski area.
6: A dream you have to work for. With no chairlifts, the only way to ski down is to power yourself up first. Justin Talbot calls it embracing
1: the suck. Oh yeah, I'm going to be dying out there for sure. That's, that's the plan.
6: And part of the appeal. Talbot's never done this, but he's spent plenty of time hiking and camping in the snow in his home state of Wisconsin.
1: You know, once you can get mentally over that I'm going to be cold, I'm going to be tired, it's going to be hard, then you get to, like, enjoy, you know, this, like, amazing landscape.
6: Big sky and aspen trees and acres of untouched snow.
4: Bang your snowboard while you're in uphill mode.
6: Talbot and his friends are getting lessons for splitboarding backcountry snowboarding, making sure the boards are attached to their feet, then they're off, sliding toward Bear Mountain, with material on the bottoms of their split boards gripping the snow. Farther up, folks are eating bacon around a fire. Many are also newbies, but some, like Laura Gear, are finally returning to the backcountry. She bought her equipment years ago, but then got scared. I didn't feel safe, like, going out and doing, like, the magical part of backcountry, where you are away from people and, like, the freedom part of it. The Boulder mom of three says she can feel that here, but without the danger of being truly alone. Instead, she has an avalanche-controlled place to learn and a friendly pop-up village of sorts. Even, like, in the parking lot, you start talking to people right there. People are so excited, (laughs) That welcoming vibe is a big deal for a sport that can feel inaccessible. Back at the base, Soraya McMahon remembers how daunting it was to learn about backcountry terrain and techniques, even how to use her gear.
1: There's all these little things that if you don't have like
6: great
5: mentors, which are really hard to find, um, it can just be kind of expensive and scary.
6: Now she works at Bluebird, where people can get lessons and rent backcountry equipment instead of having to buy it. Daily tickets are still available, but season passes sold out in the fall, back when people had no idea what resort skiing would look like. Avery Stonich, who lives in Boulder, bought hers before she'd even ever been here.
3: Turn the COVID winter into a winter of excitement instead of a winter of trepidation.
6: And for Bill Vivian, in from Monument, it's now a winter of honing a new skill. He says he tried backcountry once last year and got hooked now has brought his grown son Hutch to give it a
1: shot. Trying to get him addicted to it as well. First time for me, so, and uh, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was awesome. So
6: So is the addiction going to take?
1: Yeah, that
4: hit about five minutes in, so I think it's going (laughs) to stick. (laughs) Pretty sure it's going to stick, yeah.
6: Then they fist bump as a fresh layer of powder falls. At Bluebird Backcountry, I'm Stina Sieg, CPR News.
0: And I'm Avery Lil. Thank you for joining us on Colorado Matters. This is CPR News.